Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're all well and in good spirits. Uh, we had the sun yesterday, but the rain has come down, and the grass needs it, I'm surprised, which will mean next week, if you have grass, you'll have to cut it, but we're thankful for the rain as well as for the sun. This morning, uh, I want to, as it were, keep our focus on the growing uh, family campaign, and if you have a prayer diary, which you've got one of these, then you'll find that this week we are looking to start to pray for week three, the workers. And as I was talking with Chris about what should I preach on, you know, for what we call August, which on our notes it says freestyle, I said it would be good for us to just keep the focus on the, the growing family campaign and, and praying for that. Now, the key scripture for this one is from uh, Matthew 9.35. So today's message, the title of this message is Reap Where You're Planted. I need to put my glasses on because I hardly see it. <laughs> Reap Where You're Planted. So would you come with me now to Matthew 9.35-38. So here we go. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in all their synagogues. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So... From what we can see from this scripture, where is Jesus working? Well, from what we read here, Jesus went out into all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease. So, what we see here is that Jesus is actually working in the marketplace, in the towns, in the villages, proclaiming good news. He's out there, not in here. As I look back over my life as a Christian, some 35 plus years, I remember very much that when I became a Christian, way back 1974, we moved out of London, and we moved to Luton, and we were looking for a church, and I'd just become a Christian. So we found a Baptist church in Dunstable, and we started to go there. And they preached the word of God. They, they love God's word. They love to pray. But sooner or what happened to me was this, that because I moved out of London, all the friends that I had before a Christian, they just disappeared, just like that. And I had now developed a new group of friends. And slowly but surely, my contact with non-Christian or non-followers of Jesus began to be reduced. And actually what happened was this, that my timetable was filled up with church meetings, good meetings things that we should do. And you had this feeling that we had to escape from the world. And I remember being in a prayer meeting on a Friday night. And in those days, Dunstable was one of the centers for entertainment. Some of you will remember the California ballrooms. Who are you? <laughs> right. Well, everybody came there. Everybody that was anybody came there. And of course, what would happen is they walk up past the church and young people, they would litter the road with drink and all the rest of it. So we would be there praying, Lord, close it. Right? And he did. <laughs> it's now called Royce Close. And it says, formerly, 
there's a little kind of plaque that said, formerly the site of the California ballrooms. Now, the thing is this, that we were, clo- we were praying to close it, but we weren't thinking about the fact that God wanted, had a heart for those people. We just thought we need to be separate from them. They are unholy people doing unholy things, and it's causing disruption in the area, so therefore we need to pray and shut it. So there was this kind of, we recamped inside church. Now, Jesus, on the the other hand, he not only went to the synagogue, ah, he went to church, as, as it would be for them, and he preached there, but he was always also in the marketplace. Unlike the Pharisees, who, well, the Pharisees, this is how they went through the marketplace. Nice to meet you. In other words, they walked through the marketplace, and because, because they, everybody knew they were Pharisees, every, they were you know, doffing, you know, there was deferential treatment for them. They went through the marketplace, they didn't stop in it. And I must admit that when I was, you know, as I was growing up as Christian, my view was that you don't stop in the walk, marketplace. You, you move through it quickly and get to the safety of the church building where you can fast and pray and you're with Christian people that speak the same language and we used to go to each other's houses and eat food together on a Sunday and it was just so sweet. But we didn't have any people and friends in the marketplace. Now, I'm going to build on that. So, when he saw the crowds, what was Jesus' reaction? Matthew 9:36. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If you look at the word in the Greek there for compassion, it actually means that Jesus' bowels yearned with compassion for them. That's deep. He he didn't look at them the way that I looked at them. Sinners that, you know, that we don't want to have anything to come out from amongst them and be holy, says the Lord. He didn't look at them like that. He was moved with compassion. Why was he moved? Because he saw the brokenness. He saw the despair. He saw the pain. He saw the loneliness. He saw the desperation. He saw the disillusionment. He saw the oppression. He saw the depression. He saw the fear. He saw the harassment. Because God's plan for them was so different. His plan was to give them a sense of belonging. A sense of being. And a sense of purpose. See, that's what Jesus saw. What do you see when you look out amongst to your neighbors, to your friends? What do you see? Do you see anything? Do you see their pain? Do you see their sorrow? Now, I have to put a caveat, you know, parenthetical statement here and say, of course, you're busy with the things that God has called you to do in terms of your work. But God would have us see not just the people and the things that we have to do, but most of the people around you have needs. Jesus said it like this in Isaiah 61. He said this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. We thank God for the feed program. And we thank God that there is good news in the midst of all the other news that's going on in the media. He sent them to bind up the brokenhearted. Friends, you would be, 
You shouldn't be surprised at the amount of broken-hearted people that are in our community that all look so good, that look so well, that look so prosperous, but deep down they're broken-hearted. To proclaim freedom to the captives. How many people out there that in my role, yes, as a, as a chaplain, I meet many people who are self-medicating on things that will destroy them because, and they're held captive to it because of the pain of what's going on in their lives. And I'm there at the, uh, you know, at the hostel and... I said to this, you know, I said, hey, hi, I'll call her Joan, because you don't want to get to know her name. And she said, I said, you, you seem quite happy. She said, yeah, I'm high. <laughs> because she needs to get relief. So the only way she gets the release is she smokes the weed, right? Now, what most people focus on is the weed, wrong focus. She's using that to, to as it were, self-medicate the pain until it eases off, and you go get another hit. But Jesus came to set people free from the addiction, and more important, to heal the hurt and the pain that caused the addiction in the first place. He proclaimed, he came to release, uh, proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance to our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for all those who grieve in Zion. There are people out there who are mourning because of the fact that they've been betrayed. Many people I meet in the hostel are people just like you and me. They were living their lives, husband and wife together, everything was going well. And then one day, either the husband comes home or the wife comes home and the other one's gone. As one guy said, she found another model. It's not just women, men that do it. And the lifestyle that they had, you know, two cars, holidays regularly every year, blah, 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 gone. And now he finds himself in the hostel, homeless. Or another guy, he's there, loves his wife, etc. She takes off with someone else. He's got two kids, beautiful kids. He has to leave the home. Something that he's poured his energy and time and money into. He has to move out. He finds himself in the hostel and he's concerned about his kids, his two little daughters. And there's someone else in there, not him. And these are just people like you and me. Situations that have changed. And they find themselves in a place of need. And they are mourning and they are bereaved. And I remember the guy saying, he says, I still love her. That's the problem, he says. Can't get her out of my heart, so I can't move on because she's still there. So he's mourning over a relationship that has been lost. There are lots of people out there like that. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Where the relationship is is ashes, he wants to restore them. To bring joy instead of mourning and depression. You know what, there's a lot of depression, not just in this church, but in a lot of churches, particularly Bible-believing churches, there are a lot of people who are depressed. And Jesus comes not only just to save them from their sin, 
but to deal with the root of the depression. And usually that depression leads to death. It always does lead to death. So God comes in the person of his son Jesus to come and scoop out the darkness in your heart so that you can be restored and the oil of gladness is the divine exchange for the, oil, for the sadness and the mourning and the pain. So to give us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So then... What differentiated Jesus from the other religious leaders of the day? Simple. He was prepared to go to the marketplace as well as the synagogues. In other words, let me put it modern day vernacular. He was prepared to go to the marketplace as well as the church. What the challenge has been for those of us evangelical Christians or evangelical charismatic Christians who are quite happy to go to the church. But to go to the marketplace, hmm, that is for special people. People who have been called and anointed and appointed as pastors and chaplains, etc. They go to the marketplace. Well, actually, that's quite the converse. Because actually, when you become a pastor or, or you become a chaplain, you tend to come here. You come to the, you know, if you're a pastor here, you come here every day. Yeah? So, and there aren't that many people that are not followers of Jesus here. So the reality is this, that God's plan for us, the majority of us here in this congregation, is that we should be in the marketplace. And we only come here once a week. So what are you doing the other six days of the week? Where, where are you situated the other six days of the week? Where is the harvest? The harvest is in the cities and in the towns. It's where we live. That's where the harvest field is. It's the person you speak to at work. It's the neighbor you live next door to. Even though they don't know it, God has put you there so that they can find relief, deliverance from the situations they find themselves in. The brokenness, the, the despair, the pain, the loneliness, the oppression. Look, I, I guess be autobiographical. I think it was last week. I'd done two or three days training, and I've been training in, where was it, Milton Keynes. And if you do any type of teaching or training, it's a, you, you give of yourself. So after three days, I'm pretty tired. Anyway, it's my duty now to go to, over to, to Welling and do my role as a chaplain. It's Thursday, and I'm pretty tired I will use words from the common vernacular, what my son would say, I'm lagged. You know, I've got a heaviness. Some of you have experienced it, some of you know what you're talking about. You know, when you've been out on the, on the razzle, I've never been out on the razzle myself because I've never been drunk. I know you don't believe that, but it's true. But I would, if it was true, I would tell you, right? However, you're just tired. Anyway, I get into Welling and I happen to see young woman, it's a and Andrea, I couldn't remember her name, but I, I was like, oi, oh, 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 she's, oh, hello, Andrea. And she said, you can't remember my name. I said, I, I would normally, but I am tired, but it's good to see you. And then she said, oh, yeah, Phil's just up the road there. So we walk up just outside, um, what's it there, um, John Lewis's. I like John Lewis. Nice shop. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, it's very nice. 
anyway, we walk up there and I said, let me pray a blessing on you. So the kids are in the car sleeping and I'm standing outside the car there and I've got their hands and I'm just praying a blessing on them. As I'm praying a blessing on them, this guy comes walking past. So I just finished praying a blessing and he just came back and he tapped me and he kind of said, "Uh, excuse me, can I have a word with you? I said, yes, of course. Don't know him from Adam. Anyway, he says, "Uh, are you a pastor? I says, well, at the moment, yes. (laughs) Because I I play a number of roles, but not all at the same time. (laughs) So he says, can I have a a word? So we go and walk, sit down and sit on one of the benches in Parkway in in the middle of Welly. So he says to me, I'm a Christian. And I watch the God channel and I pray. But everything I seem to try to do just falls apart. So I ask him a few questions. And I say to him, and it so transpires that both his, his mother and his father have been into occult practice. So I said, well, usually that kind of blocks the blessing. So anyway, we start to, uh, to, you know, to minister into that. And, he, you know, and we, you know, he makes confession of that. And we pray for him. And then I realize that there's, there's an element of brokenness in the young man in the sense that there's not been any fathering, there's not been any mothering, so we minister into that. And then he makes confession of all the kind of sexual stuff he's been doing and names of names and all the rest of it. You know? And then after that, we pray God's blessing on him and we ask the Holy Spirit to just come and minister his comfort to him. And he's there and he's receiving, you know, and people are walking past us. They've just left John Lewis's and we're just there, you know, and you're trying to kind of look, you know, you know, right? But God's ministering to the guy. So we finish, and I, I'm, I recall, finished praying for him, and all of a sudden he just opened his eyes and he smiled. And he said, thank you. And, you know, and he said, oh, you're a man of God and all that stuff, but that's not the thing, you're just, a, you're just a channel. And then he says, thank you, I was about to go off and do craziness. And he was gone. Now, you think, oh, well, yes, as... Someone, I remember one of the staff members said, well, you're a chaplain, you're supposed to do that, aren't you? Look, let me tell you something. I was, that was happening when I was a, a lecturer. Many times, the, the lecturer, in the sense that people would come to me, you know, other f- colleagues and want me to pray with them. One in particular, she kept miscarrying. And I said, well, come, let's go and pray together with, with you and your partner. So I came to pray for them, and I thought, the Lord just said, Freemasonry. I said, all right. I said, uh, you got any kind of Freemasonry? She said, yes, my, my father was big into it, blah, blah, blah. And I think, if you know anything about this, you can come on the course, you know, 103. But generally, when, if people have been involved with Freemasonry, you, you have three symptoms. You have depression, you usually have marital breakdown, and you usually have miscarriage. You get to know these things. So anyway, we ministered in there, and she made confession on half of her, her father, and then we broke the thing, and she has a son. And she says, you are responsible. I said, no, Dave is responsible. <laughs> right? This is, you know, and I'm just, all I'm saying to you is this, that you can do this too. It's not for special people, for sanguine, outgoing people. Whether you are introverted and quiet, God can still use you. However, the reality is this, that we need to be available Why are the workers not few? Let me come back a bit. The harvest is plentiful. And this is what Matthew 9.37 says. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. Why are the workers few? And simple, 
We are not available to God and we're not available to people. And what I mean by this is this, folks. You see, you, what are many of us, we've all got our stuff to deal with. We've all got the house and the bills and the job to do and targets to meet and KPIs and all of that stuff that we have to deal with. Okay. And when, when you're out there, you can be so busily focused on, you know, I have to get to the train. You know, I know that I've got to get this report in. I know I have to have the meeting with the manager director and all of that stuff. Right? And it's genuine. I've got to get the children to school. Come on. You know? Right? Into the car. Heard them. You know, you shout at the children and then you see someone from church. Oh, hello. <laughs> right? We're all there. Or, you know, you haven't been at church as much as you should be and all of that stuff. And we're busy. But what I've learned is this, that one, we, in the midst of that, we must make ourselves available to God. Because while you're there trying to sort out your stuff, there are other mums, there are other people who've also got stuff. It's the same stuff. Because most of us think that, you know, what happens to us is unique. No, it never happens to anybody else. And then one day we actually become a little self-revealing and we share what's really going on in our lives and we realise that it's the same for everybody else. Why was I doing this alone? Now, the thing is this. John Wimber put it like this. He said, look, the meat's on the street. The meat's on the street. In other words, where we meet people is in the marketplace. Where the harvest field is, is out there in the world. It's not in here. And I will be honest with you. You know how we use this verse, don't we? We use it to, to get, herd you into becoming a volunteer in one of the many and multiplicity of groups that we have in the church. The Lord needs people. So we, we use it to herd everybody in or to get them in there because the workers are few. And yes, we need people for the welcome team and we need people for the worship team and we need people to, to do all of those things for the children's work. I had to mention so I'll get in trouble, right? <laughs> okay? We need people for that. But fact, friends, the harvest field is not in here. It's out there. And God needs you and he needs me to be available to him and to be available to people out there. Because that's where the harvest field is. You see, I, I don't mind saying, Chris is with the, the, the guys that are in his triumph you know, uh, club. He's in the harvest field working this morning. Because those people are people who don't know Jesus. And he's right there with them. And there's every opportunity for him to start to, to minister God's grace and mercy to them. And friends, we need to make space for God. I'll put it like this. God calls us to serve where we are and with what we have. Which is a direct line from the summer prayer diary that Emma wrote. God calls us to serve where we are and with what we have. So as we pray for workers, for the harvest, we need to be ready to be the answers to our own prayers. Because I remember quite well, we had the prayer meeting every Friday night. We used to have half nights of prayer. But what I always remember is that we never ever actually went out into the community to meet people. Because it was safer to come and pray and ask God to do the stuff that he's called us to do. See, why was Jesus distressed? Because he realized this also, that he couldn't do it on his own. That's why he has a body. 
a many-membered body all over the world in the harvest field. There are people out there that are crying out and seeking and searching for Jesus and you are their point of contact and God wants to use you as a worker out there. And it may be just that you make a comment. It may be that you just ask to pray a blessing, but you are the conduit that God can use to reach them out there in the harvest field. And he needs workers out there and that's us. It's not just about what you're doing here. It's about what you do out there. Because all of St. Albans is not in here. So, what's the two things here? What is it that the Lord is looking for, for from us? To be available to him. To be available to God. And to be available for people. You know, I was reading I used to, uh, the book there, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, some years ago. And one of the things that Covey was talking about is that he talked about the things that are not pressing but important. And one of the things he said is making time to meet and have conversations with people. And he's talking about it in the context of work. Some people call it networking, but I don't want to call it that. Just making space to have time to talk with people and build relationship with them, even in the context of work. Making time and being available to God so that if God just says, you know, you just sense some, this is how, you, how it works, I'm gonna explain it to you in a moment. But available to God, what does this mean? Serve where you are, be open to God to prompt you to listen or to speak to someone on your street at your place of work. And by the way, it's not like that, over their head there's a neon, this one, what actually happens is that they start to share their stuff with you. And it's not just your face. They start, you sit down with them and, and they start to share their story. That's the signal that they trust you. Simple. Many times I sit there and think it was just my face. You know, people start to share their whole life with me and I'm thinking, I only came here for a coffee. <laughs> and then the Lord will say no. I want you to just pray a blessing. And this is one of the things I do. If, learn to listen, learn to connect with God, and learn to connect with the people. Luke 5.29, it says about Jesus being invited to a party by the, the, the sinners, and he had a great time there. So one of the things we can do, especially this time of year, when the weather is good, is barbecues and drinks and things. Don't be, oh, I am too busy doing the Lord's work. No, that's where you do the Lord's work when you meet people and you connect with people. Now I know there's some people say, well you need to witness them straight away. I say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you need to connect with them first. You need to connect, Jesus connected with people. He didn't just go down there and give them three points of the gospel, bish, bosh, bish, and run off. No, he didn't do that. I know people, I used to do that, but I don't do that. You connect with the people. You know, you walk into the hospital, yes, they're all stripped and beard and they're ready to, to talk with you. But people will talk to you anyway. I sit on the train and we start talking, and you know, you just connect with people. Now, I could go into a chat about how you do that, but I think if you do 3D living and that, that sermon that I did, you listen to that, how to connect with people. But the reality is this, that you just need to be available. Relax. God wants to use you as a conduit to which you can, your, God's love, mercy and love and compassion can flow. And the key thing is learn to listen, not to talk. And when people are tender 
And when people are making themselves vulnerable, this is the exact time when you can just, and I, this is what I just say. I just say to them, look, do you mind if I just pray a blessing on you? And invariably they say yes. Now this is a moment of truth. Because what you need to do in that moment is just listen to God and then pray what God gives you. Now he might give you a picture. He might give you a word. But what you have to remember is that you have, you're dealing with someone who is not religious. So you have to pray something over them that they can understand. There's no point kind of going, in the name of the Father, now we... No, they're not going to like, what is that all about? That's for here, right? But we need to connect. And you pray gently. You just say, Father, thank you for this family and thank you for John. And pray now that you would just, by your spirit, just come and comfort your daughter. I always say, if it's a man or a woman, I always call them your daughter or your son. Because whether they know a lot, they belong to him. Yeah? Because some, you know, the theological kind of guys, well... Are they a Christian or not? I'm thinking, you're missing it, man. When Jesus went to pray for the guy, he didn't say, are you a Jew? You know, well, he knew they were. But even the Samaritans came and Jesus said, well, I'm not supposed to pray for you, but I'm going to bless you anyway. No, this is not a time to find out where they are. This is the time for you to allow God. Because all God wants is a conduit, a conductor. You're the conductor. You're the messenger, not the message. You're there as the conduit, so it's not about you. It's never about you. Sometimes these things happen so much with me that I don't even want to talk about them because that's what we're supposed to be doing anyway, so why is it such a big deal? The reality is that we need to make ourselves available. The minute you make yourself available, the minute you're prepared to listen, the minute you're prepared to pray, that's when God can operate. And when you pray over them, something that God has given you, when you finish praying, they always say thank you, and they all generally say, generally say always, most of the, yes, always they're thankful. And whatever it is that you've prayed, God has comforted them. He has met them at the point of their need. You, as Chris and I were talking about this, you've been God to them, even though they don't realize it. Make space for the Holy Spirit to give you a word, a picture, a prayer that ministers life and hope to that person. About being available to people. Take the opportunity to spend time with people. As I said, barbecues, drinks, all that kind of stuff. Especially this time of year. Build some time into your day to develop relationships with key people. If you're a business person and you have people reporting to you, you have key subordinates is the word they use, but direct reports that come to you that you can spend time with. Just get to know them. Because they will have concerns not only with the operational issues, they will have many people issues. Majority of the time I spend talking to people who, they don't know Jesus, but they're staff and, at, at the ones here, and they're all, talk, they're all staff issues or people issues or personal issues. And when people trust you, they begin to reveal their life and you're able to pray. Sometimes you don't have to pray, but you can just speak a word of wisdom into that situation. That's the harvest field. Learn to read the signs that God has sent someone to you. If they start to share their stuff, God has sent them to you. Right? Simple. If they start to share their stuff, you don't need a neon sign over their head. God's sending one, this is the one, speak to him. <laughs> no. That's the one. And you listen. And you don't have to push the gospel down their throat. You just pray for them. 
Or you listen to them. Sometimes you don't actually have to pray, but the very listening, God is able to work in them. Remember, you're the messenger, not the message. Too often we get caught up in, when we, you know, we're out there in the harvest field, it, we think it's about us. Oh, I haven't had a good week. Oh, I'm struggling with sin. Oh, look. So we're waiting for this moment in our lives where we'll be perfect and then God can use us. It don't work like that. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You come to God in your weakness and your frailty, you confess your sin, but you come. On that day, on that Thursday, I was so tired, I was the last thing I wanted to be doing this kind of ministry stuff to the guy, right? I was even tired when I was praying a blessing on the couple that were Christians. The thing is availability, because it's not about you, how you feel or how you're doing. Your point, the goal is for you to be available to God so that he can flow through you. And it's not about how you have performed over the week and how many Bible verses you have read that day. And if you have spent an hour in prayer and fasting and seeking of God. Those things are good. But the thing is, are you available? So then, let's close out now. Mercy. My mother would say, oh, in the name of the Father, is that the time? <laughs> let's conclude. Now, I was laughing because my mum's coming up to her 80th birthday and she has many little phrases that she uses and that's one of them. We you know something bad, she's like, oh, in the name of the Father. <laughs> and we were laughing and my daughter, sister and I were laughing about it. Now I know I need to finish. Now, here's the point. <laughs> God wants to use you where you are. You can reap where you're planted. The world is the field. All God is looking for is workers that are available to him and available to people. If that's you, let's all stand. Let the band come up, please. Because one of the things I just sensed God say to me in my heart was that He wants us as a community to recommission ourselves to be workers in the harvest field. Workers where we are with what we have. And as a community that we would be available for God to use us to bring his love and his life and his light and his liberty to all those who are searching and seeking for him. So I'm going to pray together. Good to have Henry here. Bless your heart. (laughs) Father, we bless you that when your son came, he looked out into the harvest field. He looked out and saw the distress. He saw that the people were harassed. He saw that the people were cast down. Then he looked to his disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Lord, we are the laborers. And Lord, we must confess before you and ask you that you would forgive us when we've been so busy with our own stuff and so busy doing church that we have forgotten, Lord, that you came for the brokenhearted. You came for all those who are searching and seeking for you. And as a community of your people, Lord, we would ask you now that you would recommission us so that Lord wherever you've put us wherever we live wherever we work we will be available to you 
and available to be channels and conduits through which you can move to reach all those who need to know you. Father, from this moment, we will no longer disqualify ourselves from being workers. There will be no buts. But Lord, we will say, yes, Father. Yeah, I know not all I should be, but I know, Lord, you've called me to be a laborer, to be a worker in the harvest field. And I pray for that neighbor, and I pray for that friend. And I pray that you would use me to be a channel to reach out to them with your love and your mercy. Father, we look to you. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be laborers in the harvest. So, Lord, we go in your name with the authority that you have given us in your Son to be and do what you've called us to be and do. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.